Welcome to the Grattan Institute podcast channel. This is a discussion of one of Grattan's reports. Welcome to another Grattan Report podcast. You're with Megan from the Grattan Institute, and today we're discussing the long-term future of the national electricity market. It's no secret that Australia is in need of affordable, reliable, and sustainable power. The national electricity market, the NEM, is facing an uncertain future. High prices, the increasing threat of blackouts and government intervention such as extending the life of Bladell Power Station and the Snowy Hydro announcements have contributed to this uncertainty. And with supply now tightening, action is needed to ensure reliable electricity supplies into the future. To talk through what's happening for the NEM and what needs to be done about it, I'm joined today by Grattan Energy Fellow David Blowers, who, together with Tony Wood, co-authored Grattan's newest report, Next Generation, The Long-Term Future of the National Electricity Market. Welcome, David. Hello, Megan. So, David, Australia's energy system has been a focal point in the media recently. What's been going on? So I think the thing that we need to remember is that for pretty much most of the last 20 years, we've had a national electricity market, and by that I mean the wholesale market through which we produce and sell electricity, that has delivered the amount of electricity that we need and delivered it at a fairly reasonable price. But unfortunately, what's happened over the last 18 months is that we've seen the closure of some major generating units. One is the Northern Power Station in South Australia, and the other is the Hazelwood Power Station in Victoria. And the result of these closures means that we are very tight in the amount of generation that we have. So we've got just about enough generation in the market that would meet the needs of Australian consumers going through the summer. Uh, What that has done, that tight market, has also led to a massive increase of price. It's not the only reason. We've seen high gas prices in general that increase the cost of generating. But what we see is really high prices now, and we see high prices going into the future. So what you have is an environment where you've got very tight supply, the need for new generation, and very high prices now and going into the future that should be a signal for people to put their money into new generation and invest in the market. But we're not seeing that investment right now. And the question really is, why is that and what can we do about it? And that is what uh, our latest report, Next Generation, is about. So I'll ask you the question then. Why is that? Why are we not seeing that investment into the electricity market that we should be seeing? So there are potentially two reasons for this, and I'll deal with them one at a time. The first one is it's widely acknowledged that there is complete policy uncertainty when it comes to our energy market and our climate change policy. And this policy uncertainty has a major effect on people who want to invest. People want to know what the rules of the game are before they put their money in so they know if and when they are going to get revenue coming out of the system. The trouble is governments, and that's both federal governments and state governments, keep changing the rules every couple of weeks or so. And when people keep changing the rules, the result is investors basically keep their hands in their pockets and out of their wallets. And so we're not getting the investment that we need going into the future. Now, what I will say is that the federal government asked Alan Finkel to provide a blueprint for Australia's national energy market to provide a stable platform going into the future. Uh, Alan Finkel provided about 50 recommendations uh, to government, and if government chooses to accept all those recommendations and sticks with them, 
the hope is we shall finally have that policy stability we need and it might be sufficient to enable the encouragement of new investment. Might. Might. <laughs> and might, uh, <laughs> so it is, it is certainly going to be a necessary condition. Without policy stability, there will not be investment and we will remain in the mess that we're currently in. So it is imperative the government actually implement all 50 of those recommendations. And most importantly, the one that is outstanding at the moment, which is the emissions reduction policy for the energy sector, uh, and the proposal is a clean energy target, that the government commit to this and run with it going into the future. And all of a sudden that puts the parameters in place for investors to feel comfortable about investing money again. So that's the first issue. So, so that's the policy side. Yeah. Um, so what else are we facing? So the second issue is fundamentally, does the energy market, as we've had it designed for the last 20 years, still going to deliver that stable investment environment going into the future? And the big thing that's changed in that respect over the last decade or so is the rise of intermittent zero marginal cost renewables. And by that, I mean wind and solar power. Okay. Wind and solar have fundamentally different characteristics and different cost structures to a lot of the existing generation that we had in the market. So you're talking gas, coal? Yeah, so gas, coal, like every single, every single generator is faced with the same issue. They normally cost quite a lot of money to build in the first place, and then they cost a bit of money to run every time you generate a unit of electricity. But over the lifetime of that plant, you want to be able to earn enough revenue to be able to cover the costs of building that generation in the first place. So the main aim for the energy market in terms of encouraging new investment in generation is any new investor has to feel confident that they are going to get the revenue out of the market that will cover that investment. And the reason why wind and solar challenge that is because wind and solar have virtually zero running costs at all. And what this means, and I won't get into all the details, but effectively, most generators will bid into the market at their marginal cost. And so with wind and solar having a marginal cost of zero, they effectively bid into the market at zero. When you have a lot of generation bidding in at zero, what that does is pushes the price down. So at that point, revenues for all generators are suddenly reduced. So what generators need is periods of very high prices to be able to recoup the revenues that they need to cover their fixed costs. And so what you get is you get a market where you've got periods of very low prices and periods of very high prices. And it is this price volatility that raises questions as to whether our energy market can continue to deliver. And the reasons for that is because they make investors nervous so if you are investors and you have a lack of certainty of when and how much you're going to get at any point in time, you're probably going to be less likely to invest in the market. Now, the market can solve for this. So generators can enter into private contracts with purchasers, which are normally the electricity retailers. But because these are long life assets, those contracts have to be by their very nature quite long term. So you want maybe up to a 10 year contract to say, I will deliver you electricity at X amount. 
The investor can take a deep breath. I know I've got my revenue secured for the next 10 years. But those contracts just aren't being written at the moment. And there's a question about whether or not they ever will or whether the retailers will be in a position to be able to sign those contracts. And if they can't produce those contracts, then the generation isn't going to be built. And if the generation isn't going to be built, we're going to get shortfalls and it's going to raise questions about whether the market can deliver. Why aren't we writing those contracts at the moment? Well, one reason is that the policy uncertainty. Of course, yeah. All right. So whilst you've got policy uncertainty, why am I writing a contract that locks me into a price for electricity when the rules of the game can change and I end up paying too much for that electricity than I otherwise should? I'm keeping my hands in my pockets. I may be only signing a two-year contract. By that stage, the world could have changed again and I'll sign something different. That's the first reason. The second reason is that one of the things about intermittent renewables is they don't provide those contracts because they are backed up by a government subsidy. So they have no need for an additional contract, so they're not providing it. And the second reason they don't provide those contracts is because they're intermittent. And because they're intermittent, they can't guarantee a purchaser of the electricity that that electricity will be there at the time that they need it. So as you increase the amount of intermittent renewables, you decrease the amount of generation in the market that's available to offer those contracts. The third reason is you've got to think about what retailers are like. We live in a competitive retail market, which means that as a retailer, my customers can move about an awful lot. So say I want to purchase enough electricity next year to satisfy all my customers. But if I then lose 25% of those customers, I'm all of a sudden left with a bunch of generation that I no longer need. So why am I signing those long-term contracts if I'm not certain that my customers are going to be there to make use of that generation? So those are some of the reasons why those long-term contracts may not be, be done. Counter to that is this idea that people need electricity. And so regardless of the state of the, the contracts, retailers and generators will find a way to sign the contracts to make sure that there is electricity available. Even if the price of those contracts is greater, they will be signed. So that's the converse. The reality is, though, that because of the introduction of intermittent zero marginal cost renewables, the dynamics in the market have changed and that's created a lot more risk in the market and therefore the investment is far less certain than it was previously. So this is all sounding pretty dire. What can we do about it? So the first thing I'll say is it is not that dire yet. Right. Okay. Yes, we have potential shortfalls in generation in Victoria and South Australia over the next two summers and those shortfalls could mean load shedding and by load shedding I mean rolling blackouts so some customers would see their powers cut off. All right, There is a chance of that but it is just a chance of that and the market operator, the Victorian and South Australian governments are putting in place measures that means that those shortfalls will not eventuate over the next two summers. So as long as those things work according to plan we're going to be all right. The next pressure point comes in 2022 when a major power station in New South Wales is scheduled to shut down. And when that shuts down, there are then going to be potential shortfalls in New South Wales and Victoria. Now, five years is quite a way away, but what we're looking at is, is there going to be enough new generation built that is going to meet those shortfalls in five years time? And 
yes, there is new generation being built. There are renewables being built, but you've got to remember that intermittent nature of wind and solar that means that they will cover part of that loss, but will not cover the whole of it. So we need other generation to come forward. And that's really where the sticking point is for us. So we had uh, the market operator, AEMO, point this out and say that we need a new mechanism in place to make sure that we have sufficient generation going into the future once Liddell closes in 2022. So what's that going to look like? What does a new mechanism require? So going back to my previous point and how the market works, basically, currently, uh, generators revenue is all generated from the money they make selling electricity on the market. That's how they cover all of their costs. And is that a moment in time? They sell it at the moment that it's needed or they sell into the future? So every single bit of electricity has to flow through the market. So when you sell it through the market, you will get the money back for that. But normally all your electricity is underpinned by these contracts that you sign with retailers. So you might sign those those contracts with retailers up to four or five years in advance and that sets the price that you're going to be paid for your electricity. So then there's this very complicated true up process. So whereas I might be paid $14,000 a megawatt hour for my electricity at certain points in the market, I then have to give back to the retailer $13,700 because I agreed to sell my electricity to them for $300 at some point in the past. So basically, whatever the agreed upon price is, you have to agree to only be paid that, essentially. That is correct. Yeah. So there's lots of money flying around, but the reality is, even though the market is saying this is $14,000 a megawatt hour, the price of that electricity is actually only $300. Right. Okay. So... And that is why we do these contracts. Sure. Because it gives certainty to retailers about how much they're going to pay for their electricity in the future and it gives a certainty of a revenue stream to generators about what they're going to get and with those contracts in place you can get the finance to build your plant or extend your plant or other stuff it's all about a degree of certainty in the market mm. and as i said before one of the dangers is that we're losing that certainty in the market and that means that we might need another mechanism to provide that certainty going on into the future. Mm -hmm. So what would that mechanism be? Well, a lot of countries around the world have struggled with this issue mm -hmm. and their response has been to introduce what is known as a capacity mechanism. Mm -hmm. And under most capacity mechanisms, a generator will basically receive an income just for being available. They do not have to actually end up producing and selling that electricity, but they will be paid just to be available at a certain point in time. So basically it's a guarantee, governments under this circumstances set up a guarantee that they will have, they will pay to make sure they have enough generation in place at a certain point of time in the future. And because generators receive that revenue, that all of a sudden gives them greater certainty that they're going to be able to cover their costs and all of a sudden it encourages investment. So at the moment, Although this is not quite true, but at the moment, generators effectively have one revenue stream, and that's a revenue from money they sell into the market. That market is now less certain, and therefore people aren't investing. So a capacity mechanism adds a second revenue stream, which has more certainty to it, and creates more certainty to the investor that they're going to get their money back. So when you've got a capacity mechanism, you earn revenue through your capacity mechanism, 
and through the energy that you sell as well. So we're suggesting that we'll need to implement one of these in the future? We're suggesting that we might need to implement one of these in the future. As I said previously, because there has been so much uncertainty around the policy landscape and the general investment environment, that there is still the possibility that the market could deliver. We have a pressure point in five years time. A lot can happen in five years. There are solutions to those generation shortfalls. Someone can build a gas generator within five years. We could develop demand response mechanisms that could reduce the need for electricity in the market. So this is where effectively consumers are paid to reduce their electricity at peak times. Or we can put in batteries or other forms of storage that can then be available to deliver that electricity when it's needed. So five years gives you enough time for the market to deliver those options, but there will obviously come a time when it cannot. So our argument is prepare to bring in a capacity mechanism, but only implement it when there clearly is not sufficient time for the market to deliver the generation that we're going to need going into the future. So that's what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I spoke in my introduction about some government intervention that has already taken place. My question is, what should governments not be doing? What governments shouldn't be doing is, is panicking. What we need is a pragmatic plan. And what we're getting at the moment, I wouldn't describe it as panicking, but we're getting a lot of ad hoc decisions coming from governments, which to me don't feel like they're very well thought through. Now, it could be that the right response to the situation is to extend the life of little power station. But there are a whole other range of options that can deal with it that I mentioned previously. We could build a gas-fired generator or or two. We could do demand response. We could put in place storage. If you decide right now, five years out, that what you need to do is extend the power station, you could be locking in a decision that is a poor decision. It could cost an awful lot of money to keep Liddell running for an extra five years, and that money will have to be paid for by consumers. So what you could do is end up with a lot of expensive white elephants. That's the first problem. The second problem is that when governments intervene so clearly in the market, it basically becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Investors are keeping their hands in their pockets because policy, the policy environment's not great. And then you've got governments doing a whole heap of ad hoc actions and it just makes their hands being thrust further into their pockets and not do it. What needs to happen is governments need to step back and put in place a pragmatic planned approach. And by doing that, you give the signal to the market, all right, it's under these circumstances under which we act, but up until this point, we'll leave it to the market. And by doing it in such a way, you actually give the market a chance. So so what precisely does the report suggest as a plan going forward? Well, the first thing governments need to do is they need to implement the Finkel plan in full. And that will provide the policy certainty needs so that if the market can respond, it will respond to the situation. But alongside that, the policymakers need to do two other things. One is we need a far more robust mechanism for looking at when there will be shortfalls in generation going into the future. 
Prior to this point in time, this has not been needed simply because of the fact that we've had considerable overcapacity in the system. But now that things are tight and the threat of power stations leaving is far greater, we need to monitor the situation better and we need to understand exactly what those shortfalls need. And what that monitoring system should do is make it absolutely clear to politicians and the public when we need the new generation and should also make it clear when the market is not going to have time to deliver that new generation. Alongside that, you need to start the process of designing a capacity mechanism now. These mechanisms take a long time to design and are also complex. They create a number of issues within your market and it would take a while to sort those out. And it's important that you get all those issues sorted out before you take the decision to implement because then it will be easier to implement and you can do it in a shorter period of time. The final thing that really needs to happen is when that monitoring process identifies that you have a what I'm going to describe as a structural shortfall that cannot be met by the market, governments need to deliver the new capacity mechanism. The final thing I will say is that capacity mechanisms tend to be complex and they tend to cost more money than energy only market. So you need to be very, very careful when making this decision. It is a big decision and it is better to go through a pragmatic planned approach to implement one rather than panicking and just putting one in place now. Thank you so much for your time today, David. It's certainly going to be an interesting few years in the energy space and I look forward to seeing what happens. To download a copy of Next Generation, the long-term future of the national electricity market, head to our website, grattan.edu.au. And of course, stay up to date with all of Grattan's news, research and events by subscribing to our Twitter at Grattan Inst or on Facebook, Grattan Institute. As always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please help your friends to find it by heading over to iTunes and giving us a rating or review. Thanks for listening. Grattan Institute is uniquely positioned to bring an independent, rigorous and practical lens to big issues in public policy, with the capacity to talk honestly to both sides of politics. We maintain this unique position through the generosity of the public and our affiliate companies. If you would like to find out more about contributing to our continued independence, head to our website to donate, grattan.edu.au. This has been a Grattan Institute podcast. If you want to hear more, subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes.